In this episode, I'll talk about the nine plus one conversations that you can have with your horse and how to use them to create different gymnastic movements and exercises. This episode will give you a new way of observing your horse while you're riding and new exercises to try. So here we go. Episode 117, nine plus one conversations. I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. If you've listened to anything that I've done for long enough, you've probably heard me talk a lot about the three primary conversations that you have with your horse. Um, And those three conversations are relaxation, energy, and balance. And those are the conversations that I really focus on when you're at the stage where you've got a happy little partner, comfortable transportation, and now you want to start thinking about how your horse moves, so the biomechanics. So those three conversations are a big part of the protocol that I call finding the sweet spot of healthy biomechanics, and you've probably heard me talk about those a lot. Uh, but you know, those aren't the only conversations that you can have with a horse. So today's episode is about what I call the nine plus one conversations. And where these conversations come in is after you have that sweet spot of your working gates, and now you're developing your horse more gymnastically and you're starting to do gymnastic exercises. Now, some of you who have been studying with me for a while might say, but wait, Karen, you also have the six gymnastic abilities. Where do those fit in? (laughs) And that would be a great question. And it's funny, I was just looking through uh, the episodes that I've done to reference which episode of the podcast where I talk about the six essential gymnastic abilities. And I realized I haven't done a podcast on those. So stay tuned. (laughs) I promise I will. Uh, The six essential gymnastic abilities, uh, if you can't wait till I do another episode on this, if you're in in the Dressage Naturally video classroom, you could go straight to uh, March 2016, where there's a video (laughs) about uh, the six essential gymnastic abilities. So it'll give you the overview of that. And basically, the six gymnastic abilities are kind of just that. It's, It's more about stuff to do with your horse, whereas the nine plus one conversations or sort of the individual elements within your horse. There are things that I'm thinking about within my horse. The gymnastic abilities are things that I want to be able to do with my horse. So that's the main differentiation for those of you who 
you know, the six gymnastic, essential gymnastic abilities. So those six essential gymnastic abilities are the focus of my upward spiral of successful gymnastics course, which comes after the sweet spot course. So kind of giving you a lay of the land here, (laughs) Uh, just to close that circle, uh, because I also have the horsemanship course. In the horsemanship course, we're um, trying to create a horse that's um, calm and attentive and responsive and eager, right? So all the real foundation stuff. So I know it's a lot of numbers and lists and things, but um, eh, you get the basic idea. So back to the topic of this (laughs) podcast. So the nine uh, plus one conversations. Now, before I I get into it, uh, just to reference, if you have my book, you can read about this. I'm actually going to kind of go off what's in my book as sort of the basics, basis, basic outline for this podcast. So if you have my book, uh, it's on page 166. It's in part three. It's one of the essays for success. Uh, So you can find that. um, If you don't have it, you can find it in the shop, shop shop.dressagenaturally.net. While you're in the shop, uh, you can also go to where it says books slash videos slash audio. And in that section of the web shop, there's actually a a video that you can get that's titled nine plus one conversations. And, uh, the video is, it's helpful because you can see me doing this with a horse and there's sort of a a bonus. (laughs) There's a bonus in there that I will tell you about later in this episode, but, uh, let me just say worth it. (laughs) It'll make you laugh. And it's, it illustrates a really good point. Anyway, I'll get to that a little bit later. All right. So I think what I should do is just dive in. Let's go through it. All right. So there are these nine plus one conversations or subjects for conversations that you're going to need to be able to talk to your dressage horse about or your horse that you're doing dressage with. Um, and this is, these are are written in the context of, or the assumption that, of course, we're starting from calmness and relaxation, because uh, that's what we do here. Everything begins and returns to relaxation. So relaxation is not one of the conversations, but that's because at this stage, hopefully, of course, we're relaxed, or we wouldn't even be thinking about (laughs) doing gymnastic exercises. All right, so Um, I'll list the nine plus one, and I'll also explain why I did it that way. Uh, I'm trying to think of if these are in any particular order. Um, they, I'll say yes and no. It's like, no, I wouldn't get too neurotic about exactly the order that I put them in. However, um, there, there definitely is, uh, an order to them. (laughs) How's that for clear (laughs) and (laughs) non-committal. Okay. So conversation number one is the gait. So you can also call that the rhythm, right? Because a trot has a different rhythm than a canter, which has a different rhythm than a walk. So that's one of the conversations you can have about with your horse is which gait they're doing. Another conversation is line of direction. 
And those are basic ones. I mean, we start that with baby horse right off the bat. The third one is energy level. All right, so we talk about that in the sweet spot kind of thing. So we're we're building into this, but you know, you take them with you. So when you're doing gymnastics, we have to preserve those conversations. Number four is four forehand or hindquarter displacement. Right? So we to to create any lateral movement, we're gonna have to be able to shift the the hindquarters and the forequarters independently and together, but in a much more um, sophisticated way than just a basic yield. Number five is where the weight is. So that could be, you know, being able to shift your center of gravity right to left or um, forward and back. All right. So we can allow our horse to stretch down. And if they were collected, now we're asking them to you know, allowing them to shift their weight forward and then to be able to bring it back up again. Um, Also more sophisticated weight shifts uh, that will come into play in the lateral work. So where, where the weight is heading and we're going to need to be able to do it to um, counter any erroneous weight shifts. So like crookednesses and leaning on the shoulders and things like that. So number six is the conversation about whether there is a bend in their body or not. So bend slash straight. Number seven is um, posture. So that would be, you know, is it a stretched gait? Is it a working gait? Is it a collected gait? How long is the neck? (laughs) You know, things like that. But really the big chunk of while you're doing this, do you have a what I call my whatever posture, or are you actively stretching, or are you in a working gait, or are you in a collected gait? And yes, there's lots of things wrapped up into that posture uh, category, but um, it's definitely something I think about. I might be riding around thinking, oh, I need a different posture from my horse. All right, number eight is the tempo. So tempo is very much wrapped up into energy, um, but it's different than energy. So you can have um, high or low energy with a slow or fast tempo, and that's independent of the gait also, right? So that's a tempo and rhythm are terms that often um, get confused. And just so rhythm is is the sequence of footfalls within a stride, and um, tempo is, you know, how many strides per minute, right? So you can have that tempo, but you could have a trot rhythm, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, or you could have a canter rhythm, but a dump, but a dump, but a dump, but a dump. So what rhythm it is depend is what tells you what gait it is, and the number of strides per minute tells you the tempo. All right. Uh, Number nine is the length slash shape of the stride. So the, the length, well, the length of the stride, and that's, that is definitely related to things like tempo and energy and posture and where the weight is but it actually is a separate conversation. So in the video classroom, they're actually 
it um, is a video about one of, with one of my favorite exercises um, when you're gymnasticizing your horse, which is to independently change the length of the top line compared to the length of the bottom, well, the, the stride length. So you could have long strides in a more um, collected body. So you could have your horse collected and then increase the length of the strides. And then I could um, stretch the body, but try to keep the leg, the strides a little shorter and then everything in between. So you can, often we think longer body, longer stride, shorter body, shorter stride, but it's really fun to play within, play with those ranges and be able to experiment a little bit about, well, can I shorten my horses, you know, compact the body, but still try to cover the same amount of ground, right? So the horse will have to spring off a little bit more and reach. Um, And can I stretch without the whole bottom line sprawling? So you can stretch in a pee-off, for example. (laughs) And you could have a lengthening, and then during the lengthening, try to bring the body a little more um, compact and a little more uphill, even though you're still like, whoo, flying with the strides. So it's actually interesting. And the way that exercise can come about is by realizing that those are separate conversations. All right. So that brings us to nine. And then what's the plus one? Well, the plus one is the connection with the reins. And one of the reasons I list them in that way, because there's something special about that connection with the reins part in that a problem with any of the other nine will show up in the reins <laughs> if the reins are there and a problem in the reins will affect all the other nine. And also just because it, it's part of my way of highlighting that connection with the reins is sort of an accessory thing that's going on. It, you know, it affects everything, but anything to do with human hands, we humans tend to prioritize it. Our brains go there first. Our brains are, are hardwired to pay a lot of attention to what's going on in our hands. So we have to always, always fight our neurology so that if we have something big and important in our hands, especially if our hands are closed, (laughs) then we have to actually train our brains to go, I know you're getting a lot of information here, but don't, don't do too much with it, right? Just give me some information and I'll choose whether I want to handle it with my, (laughs) handle it with my hands. See what I did there? (laughs) We think when we need to handle something, it's going to involve our hands. And so often, if there's a posture problem, if there's a bend problem, if there's a forehand displacement problem, if there's a tempo problem, if there's a length of stride problem, guess what students tend, I shouldn't even say students, humans, guess what human riders tend to do? We tend to deal with it with our hands. So the plus one is just to highlight once again that that is kind of a special separate conversation. And actually, um, you can talk to your horse about all of the other nine without reins. 
You can do it bridleless. But the paradox is if your reins are there, they are going to feel every one of those other nine conversations is going to feel completely intertwined and with the reins to the point where it's going to feel like you need to do something with your reins in order to affect those other conversations. And you don't. <laughs> so, and that's always going to be my temptation for you to you. My challenge to you is to see just what you can get done without the reins. Now, when you're learning this stuff for the first time, I mean, doing, doing dressage bridalless, like without anything on their head, it, it's possible. It's a challenge. So when you're learning dressage for the first time, like go ahead and feel free to, you know, do it the easier way. <laughs> and the reins are a great tool that brings great clarity to the horse. I mean, there's a lot of things you can talk about with the reins where the, the horse is going to go, oh, thank you. That's clear because the reins are that long. And so I know that's where I need to be. And if the reins are not there, it's a, it's a bigger challenge. Um, so don't feel bad using the reins, but, you know, use them, help learn, get things going really well. And then, you know, always challenge yourself. If you're not doing the dressage part and you're just doing the happy little camper horse, comfortable transportation part, do that part as much as you can without reins, where you're not having to think about posture and all these different precise elements about how your horse is moving. So do your, make sure your foundation can be with as little reins as possible. And then once you learn something with your horse and you've got that haunches in down and use your reins because it's easier to direct where your horse goes, just don't overuse them. Don't get all contorted and pull on them. Just do, do your best. And then when you and your horse are like, got it, we totally know what haunches in feels like, then you can start weaning yourself off those reins again. Uh, so anyway, that's the challenge about that. Oh, so let me see what I picked up. I put my book down. Now I'm going to pick it back up again and see what I said about that. Um, so since putting the most sensitive part of the horse's body in the hands of a human is a recipe for disaster, I feel it's very important to be able to have those nine conversations without contact or flexion or being quote on the vertical and to have really positive responses to the contact and that any conversation with the reins in isolation. And that's going to really help you diagnose the true issues and set the horse and yourself up for the best chance of lightness and self-carriage throughout training. And so what I mean by um, work on those in isolation before combining is it's kind of back to, you know, I've talked about this before. Sometimes you can be um, standing still with a horse and you check their ability to follow the feel of the reins and, you know, what happens when you pick up the reins, can they accommodate it? And that might feel really good. And then you start moving and all of a sudden they're like leaning on the right rein or something weird. Um, And then, you know, okay, it's not a rein problem if it only shows up when they're moving, because if they're standing still and they don't have that balance challenge or that gymnastic challenge, if they're perfectly light, that means that they understand the reins and it's not a rain problem. 
So it can help you kind of diagnose. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. So any dressage maneuver that you can think of is a combination of these conversations. And ultimately, you're going to be able to keep awareness of all of these at once. And it's the analogy that I like to use with this is a conductor conducting an orchestra. So think of each of these, you know, sort of topics of conversation that, that they must be in a state of communication and achievable with a light phase, right? So you can make a suggestion. They're like, sure, I'll do that. And they're able to make those changes. And once you have each of those um, topics of conversation um, working in isolation, then you can start to combine them. So, you know, again, it's something like a half pass at a collected trot at a certain tempo at a certain, you know, on a circle instead of a straight line with a certain amount of energy and a certain length of stride. Like that's a lot of stuff. (laughs) So you can play with making sure that all of these conversations are um, understood in isolation, right? So baby horse, you're playing with, this is a trot, this is a walk, this is a canter, this is a straight line, this is a circle. And we have ranges of energy, like go, go a little more, go a little less, stop, relax. And then we have basic yields. Um, but so you, these kind of accumulate and the, you know, so you get those good. And then, you know, while you're at the canter, can you change your line of direction? That seems really basic, but anybody with like a big, a big baby warm blood knows that sometimes it's really hard to keep the canter when you go from a circle to a straight line, right? So you start to go, okay, well, gate is one direction, line of direction is another. So can I transition to the canter. I have my horse understand that canter trot, canter trot on a circle. And then you could go, okay, let's, let's um, bring in one more conversation. Can I go to the canter on a circle, then a straight line, then back to a circle, then back to a straight line while keeping the canter. And in the middle of the canter, can I regulate my energy? And then at great, if that's all working, then can you move the haunches in and do a haunches in at the canter? 
while you, you know, and can you do that on a circle or a straight line? So you see how these all can start to combine. But if you haven't checked out that your horse understands in general what moving the hindquarter feels like, then it's going to be um, much more complicated to add that in in the middle of a bunch of other stuff. So if you're riding around um, trying to control or reinforce more than one of these conversations at a time, you're setting yourself up for a situation that's going to be really challenging to achieve success. And that's if success equals harmony and lightness. So if the conductor has to constantly remind all the different instruments how to play their parts, it's not going to be such beautiful music, (laughs) right? So, you know, think about, all right, conversation one is the gate. Well, if you're using everything you've got just to keep your horse cantering, how much, how many aids, you know, you only got two legs and one, butt. (laughs) you know, you don't, and you're, if you're like squeezing with all you've got just to keep in the canter, you're not going to have anything left to talk about energy or to align up their forehand or suggest they bring their weight back or add a little bend or add a little straightness or change their posture or their tempo. I mean, there's other things to, that need to be talked about. So this is why you want to go around thinking about in practice. And when you're developing these, you know, pick, pick one and then play around with the other one (laughs) or just pick one, you know, and then go, can I now think about two things at once? Can I now think about three things at once? Can I now have four of these things in active neutral? And I'm actually only changing one of those things at a time. So here's where I want you to really picture you know, picture this conductor analogy, right? And so think of how a conductor, you know, how is it supposed to go with with beautiful music? So even if we take like, you know, a quartet, <laughs> and so think of there's violins, there's cellos, there's, I don't know, tubas and a drum. <laughs> it's an interesting combination. But so think of that quartet could be gate, line of direction, bend, and posture, right? So the, there's your there's your orchestra. And so ideally, everybody's practiced ahead of time, right? All of the different sections have had their music, they've gone home, they've learned their parts, right? The violins know what the violins are supposed to do. The tuba player knows what he's supposed to do. The, he knows the tuba part. The drummer knows the drum part. That's the same thing as going, okay, I've worked on line and direction. I've worked on, um, you know, moving the forehand over. I worked on posture, whatever it is. And now you're going to say, okay, now I'm going to try to like put it all together. I'm going to try to do, you know, a canter that's collected on this circle in a haunches in. (laughs) So the conductor steps up. Everybody knows their parts, comes to attention, everybody comes to attention, and we begin. And so the conductor is doing something, right? He's like, just, he's embodying, he's in active neutral, he's embodying, confirming, and allowing what the music, the plan is supposed to be. And, you know, he's setting the, you know, he's confirming, he's setting that beat. Everyone's like, yep, everything's good on course. And every now and then, he might get to a, 
a part in the music where he wants to like gesture at the violins and he kind of raises his hand. He's like, don't forget, here's the part where you got to like play a little louder. (laughs) I know all the conductor uh, lingo, as you can tell. Right. So he gestures and the violins are like on it. Great. Thanks for the reminder. And they play a little louder. And that's how the music goes. And then they're done and everybody celebrates. Now picture everybody's practiced. Conductor steps up, starts the music. He's embodying, confirming, and allowing. He's gesturing. And then at one part, he gestures over to the drummer because this is the part where he's supposed to, you know, drum louder. And he gestures, and the drummer's not paying attention, and nothing changes. So he might, like, put all his attention on that drummer and gesture a little bigger just to make sure that drummer sees him. And the, gen- and the drummer is looking right at him. It's like, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to play any louder. So if this was a performance, the conductor would probably be shooting him some really ugly looks. <laughs> like, I'm going to see you after this performance. He's not going to be happy. It's not going to be getting the results that he wants. And, you know, they're going to do their best and they'll talk about it afterwards. But here's the thing. Most of the time, we are not in a performance. So I'm focused on the training moment. And in the training moment, that's the rehearsal. So what would happen in the rehearsal? The conductor would be conducting. He'll probably gesture once. If nothing happens, he's going to get that drummer's attention. He's going to gesture again. And if nothing happens, he's going to stop, shut it down. Okay, hang on a second. (laughs) Hey, drummer, (laughs) when I do this, it means I want you to play louder. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, let's try it. Just that one section. Louder, louder. No. Oh, yes. There. That's loud enough. So we're going to take it from the top. And when we get to that section, don't forget. That's how loud I want you to play. Don't worry. I'll remind you. But when I remind you, I need you there. So that's what I imagine an effective rehearsal for an orchestra or a quartet or whatever it is might go like. (laughs) So that's what we want to do with our riding, right? We want to practice each part. Then we go, okay, I'm going to put it all together now. Try it consciously. Know who's in your orchestra. Know how many different elements you're going to think of. Embody, confirm, allow, remind when necessary And if the reminder doesn't work, you stop and you go, look, there's a piece that didn't work. Let's clarify or let's practice that piece again. Now, there's one even more ridiculous scenario, which would be imagine if the conductor's conducting and that drummer starts playing softer and softer and The conductor gestures to the drummer to play louder, and he starts to play louder, which is great. But every time the conductor then goes back to active neutral, the drummer starts to play softer again. So he has to gesture again. And so now he's stuck gesturing all the time. But when he gestures, the drummer plays louder, so that's great. But so one of his arms is now dedicated to keeping the drummer playing loudly enough. Okay, that's all right. He's got another arm. He's got his eyes. He's got his head, maybe even a leg. But then what happens if the violins are now playing too loud? And so 
shoots the violins a little look, tells them to play softer, and they do, which is fantastic. Except every time he stops gesturing and goes back to conduct the rest of the orchestra, the violins start to play louder again. So he's got to keep holding those violins down. Okay, so now the tuba player is starting to play too fast. So he's got eyeballs and his head left. So now he's like gesturing at the tuba player, like, slow down. And the tuba player does slow down, which is great. So he's got one arm keeping the drummer louder, another arm keeping the violin softer, and his eyes and his head are keeping the tuba player on the right tempo. Well, guess what? There's more parts to that orchestra. (laughs) So you're stuck. And that might sound a little bit ridiculous, but how many times when we're riding, and I know this, I've experienced this, uh, I try to avoid it, but I know lots of people experience this, of you're kind of holding too many of these conversations together with your horse, right? You're keeping your legs on to keep them going. You're keeping that inside rein there to keep it looking like a bend. <laughs> and then it's really hard to, you know, keep them from breaking gait. So you got to be like, humping and pumping a bit in the saddle. And I know some of you are probably giggling a little bit uh, because you can relate to it. I've seen you. I know what it feels like. I can remember learning all this stuff for the first time. There's a reason I write it out like this uh, because it's the things that I've had to figure out to help myself and to help students. So you're not alone. So laugh at yourself just a little bit, but but not too much. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So So I think hopefully you get the picture and this is the part, uh, where if you, if you have one of the old results in harmony DVDs, now you can get them streaming individually in the shop. So if you go to the shop and look for the video section and in it, look for, um, I forget which number video it is, uh, but there's a video called nine plus one conversations. And, uh, you can see me explaining all this on a horse And I reenact the conductor analogy uh, with some, some students who showed up, (laughs) showed up to my place at a clinic for a clinic. And I was like, I have an idea. You guys up for this? And (laughs) I had, I think I have, oh gosh, I think we have nine, nine volunteers to all um, play different quote unquote instruments in my orchestra and I dressed up as a conductor and uh, I think it turned out really funny and really helpful because it's memorable. (laughs) So if you'd like to see a ridiculous version of this analogy on video, I think it's like, I don't know, it's like 15 bucks in the shop or something. (laughs) It, It might just be worth it. So take the time to isolate the separate conversations and then practice conducting a two-piece orchestra and then a four-piece and gradually increase until you can feel like you can be aware of all the conversations and are conducting a beautiful piece of music when you ride. And be aware of when you feel like you have to support one section all the time or several sections at the same time. And don't be afraid to throw everything away in order to gain clarity about the conversation that's lacking. You can always, you know, start back up and take it from the top when you've regained that positive communication. Now, an excellent exercise that you can try with this 
is to play with being able to change only one of those conversations at a time, while the other ones remain in neutral. So for example, can you maintain the direction, energy, and posture, but change the gait? Can you maintain the gait, the bend, and the direction, but change whether the haunches are coming in or not? So this concept, this nine plus one conversations um, taken to the ultimate will actually give you everything you need for all the movements of dressage. So play with that. So let's, let's review what those things are. You can write them down. The gate, the line of direction, energy level, forehand or hindquarters going in or out, where the weight is, whether you have a bend or you're straight, what the posture is, working, stretched, collected, what the tempo is, and what the length or the shape of the stride is, and then what's going on with the connection of the reins. So really, you could write all those down on a card and you can like draw three out of a hat, you know, and then change the other one, right? So it's really fun. You could be on a circle at the canter with a certain energy level and certain length of stride and change only the bend and try to change the bend without the haunches and forehand doing anything differently. It's really fun in lateral work. You know, can you do a shoulder in where the the bend is a certain way, the displacement of the shoulders is a certain way, you're on a particular line of travel at a particular tempo, and can you go from um, a stretch to a working to a collected posture, just change the posture back and forth. So really play with this. Don't make it harder than you're ready for, but take the conversations that you feel like you are able to talk about and play with those. Write three of them down and then, you know, or write four of them down and then pick one of them to change. So have fun with this and post in the Dressage Naturally on Facebook group after you play with this because it really creates some fun little puzzles. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to really enjoy thinking about it this way. You can write these all down, stick them in your pocket for when you're riding. So anyway, I hope I hope that helps. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.